Welcome to Craftlit, the podcast for crafters who love books. My name is Heather Ordover, and I'm podcasting from where the Delaware River meets the Old York Road, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Episode 461B. Bonus! Alright, this is the bonus episode following episode 461, where you heard a small chunk of my conversation with Katie over at embodyfocus.com. If you are interested in getting your own How to Build a Bliss Day download, over at embodyfocus.com slash bliss. You'll hear all about it and more as you go through this special bonus episode please do swing by embodyfocus.com slash bliss to thank Katie for sponsoring our episode. Here we go. One of the reasons I wanted to bring you on to the show this week is because you have a special thing that you are doing for the month of July and for Craftlet listeners. So that's very exciting. But one of the reasons that I thought that, that what you're doing is a good fit for Craftlet people is because... Everybody who listens to Craftlet is creative somewhere or another. There's some something that they do, whether it's science or math or knitting or quilting. Everybody does something. They're all creators. And you are a very different kind of creator than other people that we've talked to on the podcast before. So I thought it would be interesting for everybody to get a chance to hear from you how, how you went from kind of traditional business work-life land into what you're doing now, which is so completely different? I guess the part that the start is that I, out of school, two things. One, I was a religion major, Mm. which no one really expects. No, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And two, um, I was an actress right out of school. So people used to say, and every now and then, why right. are you, even now they'll say like, so why did you, why were you a religion major? And like, were you going to be a nun? You know, they'll say oh, things like that. And right. So the answer is, first of all, for especially applicable to craftlet people, um, a religion major is reading and writing. Yep. That's a religion major. You just, it's just that what you're reading and writing is really, for me, completely fascinating, interesting, philosophical, theological stuff. Right. But you would learn to be a good reader and writer. The other thing that was really relevant for acting is that not unlike the stories that you read, it's the study of what people believe in. It's about what makes characters tick. That's a religion major, believe it or not, because what do you believe in is who you are. So anyway, that was the answer to that little part of my life. So then when I came after, you know, a young adult, I turned out I really did not like the acting industry. Well, what happened was I started to fall in love with design. I, I was working on Max and I was just glued. So then I actually went and I got a real job and I ended up as a communication consultant, Whoa. which that's a real title, but I had a self-created position where I was a designer and a writer and an illustrator and a client, what you would call like um, in the ad world, a client manager. Right. 
I worked at Pricewaterhouse, which became PricewaterhouseCoopers. And I, I was like a little in-house ad agency. But the reason it was fun was because the people who came to Pricewaterhouse as clients that I would then have the possible opportunity to work with because you had to still sell them on work. So it teaches you right. to be very entrepreneurial. It's a huge part of it. Huge and scary. Very scary. And also you, you're like, they tell you right away, like a law firm, you have to be billable. And you know, you're this kid and you're like, first of all, what's billable? Right. <laughs> and second of all, what are you talking about? Like how, how, I don't know how to do that. And they're like, figure it out. Oh man. Talk about throwing you to the wolves. Yeah, they totally do. Oh and for the right person, it's actually a very good experience. Right. But then the merger was so hectic. It was the writing was on the wall that this wasn't going to work. So I did what I'm going to speak honestly. Okay. Yeah. I burn bridges. I am not recommending the burning <laughs> bridges. Let me be clear. But I, you have to tell a story, a true story, or it's not a good story. It's true. And I ran out. I, I first of all, people told me to quit. They said, quit because you'll collect unemployment. Oh. And I am not here. I was kind of noble, but it's just my gut and how I'm made. I couldn't do it. So I quit with no prospects and wow. no plan. Wow. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh. It is for most people. I think I'm a lot of entrepreneurs. <laughs> You could, the nice way to refer to it is that you're a risk taker. Right. Right. And the not so nice way to refer to it is that you're like completely unrealistic. Delusional. <laughs> delusional would be good. Yeah, exactly. So I was missing that protective gene. I never had that gene. And it is not always a good thing to not have, but it is just the way that I'm made. I never had that gene of, um, well, that would be foolish. <laughs> I won't do that. That would be silly. No, I never had that. So, no, it's always fun to tell the stories looking back. It's not always so fun. During, the time. Yeah. You know, here's the really dramatic part that's really fun to tell. And uh -huh. I can't believe it happened, but it did. It just so happened my father, it's going to sound sadder and weirder than it was. My father was dying, but it, we knew he was sick. We didn't know he was dying. And he wasn't sick, like incapacitated sick. Right. He just had to go to a bunch of doctor's appointments. And my father, I adored my father. So we had, a, at that time, having not grown up with him, we actually had established an amazing relationship. So I, because I had my time became my own, I got to drive around with him and we had a blast. That's so, so This cool. really is like a good story, you know, yeah. because... You can't imagine that that would happen and you don't want your father to be sick, but we had such a good time. I had my very first car and it was a Jeep Cherokee Sport and it was big. So I could fit like he at times he had a wheelchair. He was not wheelchair bound, but he had one. Right, because right, of right. Thing. So yeah. and we could just throw it in the back and we had so much fun. I can't even tell you. So then we get down to. I've been take oh, and another cool little detail is that I was at Pricewaterhouse for just over five years mm -hmm. and you get vested, what they call vested, mm -hmm. you know, all this kind of pension stuff. It wasn't, a, I don't know if it was actually a pension. It was just 
funds, stock, the investment yeah. funds. Yeah, that they were putting in my name. And by the way, I had put them in all the riskiest possible funds. Oh, well done, you. Thank you. And it made because like, you were young. And it made like seventeen thousand dollars. Oh, nice. So That's I actually awesome. lived on that, which I don't know how I did, but I lived on it for six months. Wow. That's not possible, but I did it. So, and you were living I, in New York? Yes. Were you living in a closet? No. I don't know how I did it. I'm not frugal. I really have no idea how I did it. I don't really seriously know how I did it. But at the end of that six months, so I was doing things that you're supposed to do. I was trying to find out how you get clients. And I was talking to people and I was schmoozing. And I've always been good at design and writing and making nice materials. So, but that's not getting clients. You have to get clients. So, oh, I have so many other good stories that go with this. Two things. One is... At Pricewaterhouse, I used to go on my lunch hour to 48th Street, which was called Music Row. Uh Uh-huh. And you see that I like music. So I was always in love with music. And I would go um, just to the music stores. And I I made friends. And as I started to actually do my own business, I did do volunteer materials for musicians that I met on Music Row at the stores and ask customers and stuff because musicians always need materials. Uh, So that's actually a great place to volunteer. But you can be very creative and expressive. So it was really fun. So I designed a brochure for this beautiful music store that just closed a few years ago called um, Rudy's Music Shop. And it was a very boutique, elegant music store. Cool. Don't I bought, I remember I bought a slide scanner for $1,500. I did not have $1,500. I keep telling you about things I didn't have that I did. I don't know how I did it, but I mean, Rudy should have paid, but he didn't. So sorry, Rudy. I know he's still out there somewhere. But anyway, I designed this brochure for Rudy and I was thrilled because I was beginning to feel my way into, I'll do my own thing, maybe, you know, at some day for sure. So I was showing, I brought the brochure and he had, by the way, had taken gorgeous pictures photos of uh, his instruments. Uh-huh. So I had that to work with. Right. But that's why I got the scanner because I needed a slide scanner and right. he didn't have one. So right. I felt it was an opportunity. Well, so it was, it wasn't necessarily, this is such an interesting story because it wasn't necessarily the opportunity I thought it was, right. but it was a big opportunity. So what it was, was I showed the brochure, a mock-up of it to Rudy's assistant one day. And there's only one other man in the store. And he looks over my shoulder and he goes, that's the most beautiful brochure I've ever seen. If you ever want a job, come see me. So I'm like, okay, thank you. And he leaves. And then Rudy's assistant, I think Larry, says to me, do you know who that was? And I was like, I would love if he hears this. And I was like, no. And he said, that's John Zweig. He's the CEO of WPP USA. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't know who WPP USA was. So WPP USA is the world's largest ad agency. They own other ad agencies. They own J. Walter Thompson, oh my Young gosh. And, um, Ogilvy and Mather. They own everybody. Wow. And he, John, became my mentor. He was a um, very talented, is a very talented jazz musician, guitarist. So he gives me his card, right? Four years later, I'm ready to leave because I knew that I loved my job and I needed, I learned from it. It was great. I kept it. But four years later, I can't even imagine what would be different if I had not found his business card because I couldn't find it at first, but I found (laughs) it. Call him up. 
And I said, I have no idea if you remember me, but uh, you said, you know, this is the most beautiful brochure you've ever seen. And he was like, oh, yeah, I do remember you. So that's good. Nice. And then he goes, you can come see me, but I don't know what I can do for you. So I was like, well, OK, whatever. That's a big change from if you ever need a job, come see me. Mm-hmm. But I went to see him and we completely hit it off. Like I said, he's a really talented jazz guitarist, and that's my passion, one of my passions. So he did not ever get me work, but he got me some introductions. That's huge. That's really the whole point of the story. Yeah. He got introductions. So at the, here's the next dramatic thing. Right. right. At the end of that six months of me driving in my car with my father and living off this 17th mythical $17,000. Right. Um, I, lo- I seriously looked up and I had $14 in one bank account and $32 in the other. And that's it. And no, it's not like I had parents that would help me out. I know that sounds weird because they were still around, but they just simply did not either have it or wouldn't or out of the question. I had nobody, nothing. Wow. Absolutely down to the wire. And I remember thinking, if you don't get a job, you are going to be on the street. Like there is no ifs, ands, or buts about this. And you know that you respect people that will do whatever it takes, even if you don't feel like it. Because I so right. didn't really like it. So I said to, among other people looking for work, I said to a girlfriend I had met at the gym, mm-hmm. if you need any help in your office, she worked for a music publisher. And I said, if you need any help, and I mean any help, and she understood what I meant. Right. Please call me. So she calls me. She did. And she said, OK, so we know this isn't what you do, but there's a secretary leaving. And and I'm like, I'm there. And she said, <laughs> here's the thing. She said, you have to talk to Leon and you have to convince him that you really we know that this isn't you, but you have to tell him, convince him that you really want the job. And they said, and Leon's a nut. So I'm like, no problem. So, so I go and I talk to Leon and Leon is a nut. Leon's wearing like an army helmet. He knew every famous musician. He was friends with Patsy Cline. He was a nut job. So we hit it off, of course. Right. <laughs> and, awesome. and Leon goes, okay, so um, it, the job pays $28,000 a year. Is that good? And I was making like 75 before that. I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, it's really hard to live. Yes, thank you. That's great. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I needed $5. Right. Right. So that's what happened after that the same day. Oh, you got the phone call. Yes, I did. I got a call from Pepsi. It was for a big, ended up multi-six figure job for Pepsi bottling group. I I had it. It wasn't an audition or anything. It was right the job. It was through talking to people that I had been doing. I just didn't know, you know, you don't know, you never know what's going to pan out, but I had been schmoozing. I mean, this was the opportunity of a lifetime. This was right. So it's that same afternoon. Literally, I went home from talking to the crazy, crazy, wonderful Leon. So it was Shapiro Bernstein music publishers. They're revered music. Oh yeah, they are. You know who they are. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I redesigned. So I ended up, they ended up my client and I redesigned their logo that they hadn't redesigned since the 1960s. Oh my gosh. Did great work with them. But before that happened, I had to call Leon and say, Leon, 
I just got like, I I said, I will come in because I know you can't get someone by Monday. It was like a Thursday. Right. But I have to take this opportunity. It's like really the, a career making opportunity. And he said, well, that's the quickest anyone has ever left me. You know, I've never had anyone work for me that short a time. <laughs> and then we ended up friends and he actually um, contributed like you know, gave a small donation to my, I had a jazz band for five years and he actually gave me a little contribution towards them. So yeah. So that was the beginning. So yay, crazy Leon. Yay. Yay. Wow. So it's amazing how things happen, you know? So it sounds like that's such, that is such a great beginning, but I know that it didn't stay great forever. That's true. Because what you're doing now is not the same thing. True. So, so what, how long were you doing that before, before you realized that you'd gotten yourself into another situation that you needed to get out of? Oh, that's such the perfect way to put it. The perfect way. I'm good that way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a theory that creative people have 10 year stints. Like Mm -hmm. you kind of go for roughly 10 years and then you either burn out or you need to grow and change. Yeah, that that rings true. Yep. Okay. So I don't know for sure, but that kind of feels right because I had a breaking point. 2012 is when I kind of took myself by the cojones. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, something has to change. Like you, this is ridiculous. And what was ridiculous was that I was just, I was making on paper decent money at the end of the year, but I spent, I've now been in business for myself 16 years. So I spent years as if I was making nothing. Like I was so scrambling. I would not know where the next month's rent was coming from. And there's many reasons for this, which are mostly humiliating, but they're just <laughs> the truth. <laughs> the truth will not just the truth will set you free. The truth will humiliate you. <laughs> but they do. The truth does lead to amazing solutions when yes. you're willing to face it. That's really one of the big, big points. Yes. You know, it's scary even telling you this stuff now. Yeah. And it takes us like courage. You have to go a step at a time. But one thing I have definitely realized and learned from listening to other people is that the person who needs to hear this will really appreciate the honesty of admitting to screw ups. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it's like, it's like looking at Instagram feeds where you're like, wow, everyone else has a perfect life and mine sucks really (laughs) bad. Exactly. Right. And it's horrible. It, it, I think we've been talking about this a lot in the education world Mm -hmm. that teachers, parents, all of us, we say to kids all the time. Well, it's okay that you made a mistake because you know how many times Thomas Edison screwed up on that light bulb and he, a thousand tries later, he finally got it to work. Yeah. But how do we grade kids? We don't grade them in a way that encourages that kind of experimentation and life doesn't really encourage that kind of experimentation either. So the fact that you're willing to be honest about that stuff is I think it's crucial. It's the only way anybody ever feels like they can do it too. I don't want to hear somebody Love else's it. success story. I like hearing how they got out of a hard place. Oh, now you're going to really encourage me. Ah. That's really good. That's really beautiful. And I do know what you mean because what you reminded me of was 
the amazing story that I've heard about the a CEO, female CEO mm-hmm. of one of the most successful product companies out there. And her dad actually told her and her brother to fail. You know, not what you say schools do, which they don't do. But he actually, she attributes a lot of her success to this because he literally would say, did you fail? And they would say yes. And he'd go, great. That's awesome. (laughs) Awesome. What did you learn? That's awesome. And as silly as that might sound, if you hear it hypothetically, I think we can all imagine that if Mm -hmm. you had a parent that actually encouraged you and you felt that safe to make a mistake, that creates potential genius because- You will make mistakes. So if you don't feel all the guilt and fear around making the mistake, mm-hmm. you can get the pure benefit from it and none of the garbage right. that goes with it. Right. You get the learning experience without the guilt. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Because it is fun telling you the stories. You know, it's funny. I realized this, like, our terrible stories are the best stories. Absolutely. They are the most fun. You know, the vacations that almost killed me, those exactly. are the best ones. They have the best stories. Right? I don't know why that is, but they have more color to drama. It's drama. Yeah. So, I mean, there's many different angles that I messed up on. I I am a very organized person, and yet, (laughs) and yet, I thwarted (laughs) myself, my own best skills. And, um, I mean, I love, I'm an unusual mixture of loving and being very creative and still, lo- I'm a systems person. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm an automation and systems expert now. Right. I love Excel spreadsheets. Like, <laughs> who says that? Only math people say that, but I love But you're a that. design person, like which makes you an them. interesting intersection of art and commerce and right. being able to use both sides Bingo. of your brain. Bingo. Exactly. Huge. Exactly. That's what I really, that's when I really thrive. And I think that's where creativity really thrives. And, you know, so, I mean, I didn't have thought through business plans. I didn't have all the many things that can help us create a working business. I was just constantly having to reinvent and throw things at the wall and hope they would stick and... I didn't have, I did, because of that, I didn't create enough of an environment that I have experienced since where, you know, you have, you do great work with a client and then the referrals start, life starts to get easier because people refer you. But what happened with me was that they would always, I mean, this was not a hundred percent one way or the other way, but too often because I wasn't, my processes were not clear enough. And by the way, I had really clear processes at Pricewaterhouse. That's one of the ironies sure. here. They didn't give them to me. I created They gave you a deadline, I imagine. Yes. See, and that's, and that's one of those things that you don't always get really clearly from individual clients. But as I will hear, you know, I can only talk really super clearly about the kinds of work that I've done. Right. But I'm telling you, as an entrepreneur, you, those deadlines exist and you need to treat them exactly the same way you would treat a deadline that's about a bus that's going to pull out Mm -hmm. because that's the only way to really get work done properly. And to get work again later. It goes back to what you, what you were asking about when did I realize that things were crashing um, or needed to change. And if you work 10 years straight, basically without taking a vacation, a real Mm -hmm. vacation, 
you're not, it's like a joke to say you're not going to be as clear headed about your systems and your processes. You know, I mean, people need to honestly, ideally take a couple of vacations a year. Yeah. That's why we have that system. Yeah. But even if it's just every few years, something, you know, or something else that you do, which is what we're going to get into, mm -hmm. something you do that nurtures you, it doesn't necessarily have to be vacation. Vacation's fantastic. I highly endorse it. But, it, you know, whatever it is you do that really feeds you, that mm -hmm. isn't the same routine, even if you love your work passionately, mm -hmm. just so that you do get that, you know, healthy interchange and it's like a balance. You need it. Yeah. You, even if you're a very extreme person, you still need balance. You just have to balance extremes. That's what I have found. That is a good way to put it. Yes. 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 So I, I'm guessing it was, I, okay, 2012 is when I said enough's enough. This is ridiculous. You cannot live the rest of your life like this and you literally won't be able to. So I took my first course in women's prosperity with a fantastic coach, British coach, and I did another thing you would never recommend. I took, it was five or 600, it was 500 if you would pay up front, which was like, oh, I can't. Uh -huh. Um. And it was 600 if I did a payment plan. So I did a payment plan. I took the money from rent money. Wow. It was the only money I had and I knew I had to do it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? You know, we hear so many coaches saying things like, you know, you'll make it happen. And, you know, there's, and only we know when it's worth doing that. Nobody, nobody would have recommended that I do that. Nobody. Yeah. No, uh -uh. no one, no, not a friend, not a counselor. Not a parent, nobody. No, not a guy on the street. Uh -uh. Not a guy on the street. But anyway, I did. <laughs> and <laughs> I know it's it was actually the right thing to do. It's not like I did this all the time. Right. I knew that that particular, it was the right time and place. And it's it started the change of right. my life. Yes, it did. That's so cool. So what did you learn? What did you learn from that that was so life-changing for, for you at home. Cause I know a lot for me, when I was teaching, hearing somebody saying that they were working, working from home or had their own business or anything like that. My initial reaction would be, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, how can that be hard on you? Because here I am, you know, I'm up at five, I have to get to school. I'm assaulted by children all day. And I come home and all I do is grade papers all weekend. I grade papers the two and a half months that I sort of have off in the summertime, I'm using it to research and get more information for teaching the kids in the fall. And it's relentless. But you, right. you sitting working from home in front of you, you can get up and go to the bathroom when you want to. I can't even do that. So what was it that was the, the game changer that you learned from that very, very dearly bought course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There were a couple. I'll preface this by saying in answer to what you were just talking about. I honestly believe that the single hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is creating your own structure. Yeah, I think you're right. But very simply, that's what this is all about. It's you and no one else are responsible for creating your own structure. Every bit of it. You have, and you have to wear many, many hats. You yeah. have to be, you know, even if later you can hire those people, 
you initially have to be, and often as a solopreneur, you keep doing this for many years. Right. You know, you have to be the bookkeeper, you have to be the salesperson, you have to be the creative person, you have to be the writer, you have to be the accountant. You know, I could go on and on. And it gets to you after yeah. a while. And you don't feel like you have enough hours in the day, no, even mm. if you're good at all of those things. Yeah. And you might be good at some and not good at others, you know, and I do love the challenges that it brings. I actually do love them, but that doesn't mean that I didn't get burnt out by them too. And there's so many different ways I could answer your question because one of the things that happened was that that group, that course that I took was mm. the first time, was my first experience with online courses, which now I'm offering. So mm. I've gone, I mean, the amount that I've learned in these five years is not to be believed. Yeah. It is phenomenal. And that's something you will see about entrepreneurs is that they tend to be people who love to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. So they may learn and grow like weeds in weird directions, <laughs> but, but they really, you got to give them a lot of credit for curiosity, right? That's your audience. Yeah. Curiosity. My, one of my very favorite traits, curiosity and courage. I mean, those are two of the most amazing traits a human can have. Yeah. And these people tend to have them. So one of the things concrete that happened was they had a Facebook group for the course. Most, right. most online courses use Facebook. It's what Facebook does really, really, really well. Right. That was my first time being exposed to it, especially in a business context. So I quickly, at first, I had no interest whatsoever. I was quite negative about the intrusiveness of Facebook. Right. It's hard to believe because it's, I'm, one of the biggest champions now. And I'm a Facebook ads expert. And I really love what Facebook brings to the business world. And not just the business world, but our right. world. But um, I quickly saw that Facebook was ideal for me, because first of all, it's not business as usual. It's business as goofballs. Mm -hmm. Facebook lets you be this modern mixture of silly and serious. And that is me completely. So I was like, oh, I may have just stumbled into like my perfect yeah. territory. Your zone. And yeah. So I started initially doing free, what they call cover images, the banners that mm -hmm. people have on their pages. And everybody in the course was an entrepreneur. So they all wanted. And so I did it not, I did it very consciously. I did not do this without thinking because I right. know it was worth money. But I wanted to see if my certain, you know, what I was conjecturing was right, that I actually am kind of magical in this territory. And I have my, one of my sweet spots is combining pictures and words to create effective messages. And especially either moving messages or funny messages, you know, not necessarily, they could, they could end up selling something, right? But they're not salesy by nature. Like that's not the main feeling. Right. So everybody loved them. They fell in love with them and it was like off to the races and it took off from there. And right. I, I learned all about Facebook and I um, had to eat my words about thinking that it was intrusive and um, it was amazing. So I, it's a really roundabout way to answer your question, but I think that it taught me once, it gave me a lot of, um, gave me back a lot of that zest 
that mm. had been, I, you know. You get your mojo back. Yeah, it uh, gave me a lot of mojo back and um, gave me a lot of direction. And then it started exposing me to the whole world that I am now deep into of online communications. And right. I was already creating online materials, but I wasn't putting things out online the way that I and all my colleagues are now. Right. So. So did it help you any with that? I don't think work-life balance is the right thing to call it because I think it's something more work-life balance has gotten too much, a, a like a shorthand in the modern world. Yeah. It was more like when we were talking about it before, it sounded more like there were fundamental pieces that were missing. And it was like being, being a, if you were a cog in a larger machine and making a living as the larger machine, if you're missing one of those spokes on the gear, it's going to come around and it's going to work. It's going to do the job, but it's going to skip that point and it's not going to run well. And, and if you're missing half of them, yeah. <laughs> you're starting to get into serious trouble. Yeah. Then you, then you start failing. You have start to have this system yes. failure. That's a great analogy. Yay. Love that. Yeah. You know, I like to think like maybe in the future, I'm actually going to create a product that's that I'm going to call something like a life grid mm -hmm. because I do think like that. Like I know you've seen life, the wheel of life and all mm -hmm. that stuff, you know, where they're talking about the different categories that you have to be fulfilled in. Right. And um, I love that stuff. I think it's really valid and really important. There's so many pieces it brought together because my point about silly and serious is we're doing business differently today than yeah. people were 50 years ago mm -hmm. and even 10 years ago. And I'm going to quote the Dalai Lama who said the Western woman will save the world. I love the Dalai Lama. Good old Dalai Lama. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> we love him. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. And I really feel like I and you and so many of the great, great women I know are who he's talking about. And part of that for me is that it's not business as usual. So in many different ways, one of the ways is that it's leading up to a time where women are really going to come into their own. You know, mm -hmm. I like, for instance, when I was working at Pricewaterhouse, I was very independent and it was a good time for me. And I learned a lot and everything I've already said, but there were, it was still a transition time and there were female bosses. I had mm -hmm. a few female bosses who were in the cliche world of thinking right. they had to act like a man. Right. You had to or, outman the men. Not all of them, but many of them. Yeah. And I remember meeting a female client who had a prestigious position. She was the head of, she was something big at one of my client firms. And I, had a girl crush on her right away because she was young and she was incredibly competent and really articulate and powerful. Right. And so she was, for whatever it's worth, she was very heavy, but also very attractive mm -hmm. in a very down to earth way. And I remember just loving her, herness, right. the fact that she was so her, I remember she had a really great dog. So that was like, me being one of those early memories of you do not have to do business like a man to be really, and I love men, don't get me wrong. I just have to throw yeah, that yeah. in there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know you work with men all the time. Yes, I tend to work a lot with men. Um, But that doesn't mean I'm a man or I am (laughs) going to, you know, work like a man. I I think it's this is part of the online world is a place for women to shine. And that mixture that Facebook encourages of Mm -hmm. like Facebook, you're not going to do great with a Facebook ad. That's a traditional ad. No, doesn't respond. Nobody's going to notice it. No, because what works is a different, it's like a different accent. It's a whole different. And so that's what I was, whether I'm a, a, like just a product of my time or, Mm -hmm. you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, but whatever it is, I am naturally that. And so the new way of doing business, this new way of working woke me up, got me alive again, little little buds started to come out again. Right. Because you you had to be creative again, really creative. Right. You know what that brings up? So that brings up one of my favorite topics, which is play. Yeah. And that's something that we don't uh, often allow ourselves uh, the time or the place to explore nearly as much. And one of my big beliefs is your work can and sh- I don't know if should it should it's never good to use the word should <laughs> I started to go like and I encourage you <laughs> to have work that feels like play that literally feels like play and that happens when you're doing something that you truly love mm-hmm. even if it has aspects of it that you know might be more um, methodical or that you have to slog away at mm-hmm. that. And that's what I started to get. So that's what I started to experience again. And that is what we all deserve. And that pulls all that started to pull all the pieces together of realizing we all deserve this, you know, and I, I really came to get more clear headed about what was working and what wasn't working and how to do that better. And then there's so much more that led me to realize I had to actually share this with other people. Well, one of the things that I think is is interesting that I, I purposefully haven't said yet is that all of this is, it sounds fairly traditional and not particularly out of the ordinary. I mean, you certainly have very specific, very you stories, which are awesome. But, you know, if you look at it as a big, very distant watercolor wash, it's a pretty color. And you can imagine a lot of people have had kind of similar trajectories. But something about you made you start a business that is the name of it alone lets you know that you are no longer on the map. That this this was a something happened that shifted you away from I'm a designer who is good with Excel spreadsheets. You, you, you moved someplace fundamentally different in, in your life and in your business. And that's where you got really successful. Thank you so much. What was it that moved you that direction? I wonder, do I have like a single answer? I mean, I definitely always believed that you can do whatever you set your mind to. I I was born with that belief and I, Uh, some of it probably came from the household I grew up in, yeah. which was 
bright and creative. But um, and some of it, you know, my school's probably encouraged, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, and some of it is just DNA. You don't know for sure. Um, and also, I know I'm a diehard optimist. So I absolutely, even under the worst possible circumstances, right. believe that good can emerge. So everything I did led me to feel more and more like you can chart your own course. Mm-hmm. But it is true that it's one thing to say that it's another to do it. Mm-hmm. And also when things aren't necessarily giving you the results that you want to get mm-hmm. and you still have to keep doing that, it can be very challenging. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly what one thing happened that made me say, I can do this my way. But now you do see businesses all around you that are unique. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, look at like, even the names of businesses are all, like you said, my, I don't have a traditional business name. My business is called Embody Art. And the reason it's called Embody Art is because I do believe that living the way we're talking about, that's art. Mm-hmm. I don't just, I mean, yes, I love, I adore color. It's one of my huge motivating. Anybody who sees your website will go, oh, she likes color. Yeah, good. I love hearing that. Yeah. But what I mean by art is really the art of living. It really is you being true to yourself, you thinking outside the box, you not being, being respectful to people who have done things that you could learn from, but at the same time, knowing that was for them, you might have a different road. And that to me is art. I, I also feel like this is, this is really getting into my psyche, but I really feel like art is limitless. Mm -hmm. I like the word art almost doesn't just mean art to me. It means limitless. So one of my salvations was realizing that there's no limit to beauty and art literally no limit to what you can create and what you can experience in your life. Mm -hmm. It's like that well is never dry. It's always by its existence, it's recreating itself. And there are times where we get so, so into our, our funnel, our, you know, the morning you wake up and you know where you're going and you have to do the thing and you have to get the thing and you have to finish the thing. And then you have to hand over the thing and then you get to start all (laughs) over again after you make dinner. And, and I think it's recognizing places where you, small places where you can start to change your thinking to allow for that limitless, you know, whether, whether it is actually limitless or you just have a sense of for this moment, everything's different. Everything's possible. Beautiful. So that is the spirit of play, in my opinion, too. Yeah. There's all these great, now there's actually an institute of play. I mean, people are studying this seriously. Awesome. But what the, the zone it puts you in, and, all, you know, an inventor, mm-hmm. that's what an inventor is doing. And then mm-hmm. the inventors move the world forward. Um, but I think we all can bring that to our lives and we will be happier. I really oh, yeah. believe that. Yeah. I think it's the essence of happiness is when you're in that place that things do feel limitless and they actually are. And you're not judging. You're not looking at your watch. You're not worrying who's going to you know, do anything. You are right. simply involved 
it's like pure joy. And that work can actually be like that. And it's more like that usually for entrepreneurs than it is for people who are not. But it can be like that. Like I know someone who loves his work Uh exactly that way, who does work for a company and very consciously found that path. And that is heaven. I mean, everybody should have that. That's a should that is okay to say. Yeah, that, I think that's a, that's a should we can all get that's behind. That's like the only should that's okay. <laughs> yeah, because we're not going to should all of everybody. That's the only should you should say. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've managed to, how long have you had Embody Art as your? 16 years. Wow. Okay. So over the, over the, between the genesis of the company name and now you've gone through lots of different designs of your company that there's been, there's been a lot of different iterations that you've done. And, and when I first met you, you were doing a lot of website work and a lot of um, helping people, helping me figure out what their thing is and then translating that into, and how do you communicate that to the outside world, which is really difficult for people to do when they're inside their box. And Exactly. And you, aside from being the fastest typist I've ever known in my life, which is <laughs> true. Um, well, we, we had one school secretary when I was in fifth grade who taught us how to type. And she may have been faster just because she was on a hard old keyboard. And if, you know, her fingers flew on those suckers. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even want to. I wouldn't want to test against myself her. against her no. at all. But the, the, you know, the things that are your superpowers are your ability to, to, I think, are your ability to hear what's going on behind people's words. And I have mm-hmm. a feeling because you tend to like to have video Skype sessions or video hangouts that you're not just seeing what's behind the words, you're seeing what's behind the person. That mm-hmm. you're taking in a lot of information. Some of it is color. Some of it is how do people dress? How do they look? How do they, how do they bring themselves to the video? Uh, to the video conference. um, And then you're listening to them. And I can tell when you see things that don't match. And it's not like you, like you see it on your face or anything like, Oh my God, this person is just horrible. What am I hearing? Mm -hmm. It's, it's more that the, the words that you start to use are focus, refocusing the person on a, not a hugely different path, but just like nudging them a little bit at a time, kind of gradually over time. Cause you work with people for long periods of time too. Yes, I do. Which I think makes a huge difference because yep, with craftlet and we've had this conversation about craftlet that my craftlet people, some of whom I've now known virtually for 11 years, some of them I've known in real life for 11 years, well, almost 11 years. It's a community and they're a very distinct group of people, men and women, age ranges, interests. We have a really interesting psychographic on Craftlet. And I'm seeing you building similarly unique and hard to define communities of learners really around your business. And when it was Embody Art, that was the art side of it, the web design and the color and the uh, getting the language right. And now you've added this new wrinkle. You've added this embody focus thing. And I've been around for this genesis. So this has been 
pretty cool to watch from the outside. So good. Thank you. And I will, it's, it's really neat to get to see somebody else's process during the process. You know, it's, it's like, it's making the sausages. This is not a bad one though. It's normally you don't want to watch it. Cause it's just like drudge work. This has been exciting. Oh, that's so cool. It's cool. It's cool to watch. I love the way you just described that. That was incredible because you know what you made me realize is that when you were talking about me kind of pulling someone a little back on the path, Mm -hmm. that is so much what I'm doing. I really love that. I love the details and the big picture. And I want to, Yes, I think you only get a real view when you look at both. I do not think that you will get reality if you only look at one or the other. Boy, do I agree. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's so great to hear you say that is really, really rewarding. Yay. Yeah. Well, Well, tell me more. Tell me more because I, I know what I saw. But from from the outside, the real outside, was it like one day you woke up and said, oh, I'm body focus? No, but <laughs> I can really answer that. Cool. So what the the evolution was over the last couple of years, uh-huh. um, definitely following on what we've already talked about, mm-hmm. I had really pulled together systems and then I really pulled together one that changed my business in a big way, like exponentially. And it changed my days. It changed how I feel like it changed my life. Yeah. And I had a business coach and I was basically raving about my own system, not to sell it to her Mm -hmm. in any way, but because it was real. And I was just saying, I cannot believe this. And I actually have a few you know, I have one that I call embody excellence, which is a play on Excel because I love Excel. So that's a, that's using Excel spreadsheets. Right. And that was and it really works. And so a lot of my coaches would feed back to me like you just need to use your own systems. That's all you need. Hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. When I use them, they work. Mm-hmm. It's just using them. It's still challenging mm-hmm. because I still have body art and I love it more than I've ever loved it. So it is, and my clients have become unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I really love, you know, I honor them and I'm grateful to them and we feed each other's souls. It's that, it's that good. I know it sounds crazy. So, um, I don't, I'm not ready to leave it. Right, right, right. Have to share these systems that I also love and feel can. This is bigger, you know, when you, most of us have had some kind of feeling like this where you know that something's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is bigger than me, or I wouldn't be doing it because it's a real pain to try to start something completely new. <laughs> it really a, is. It is. It's it a totally pain. is. It's much easier to not start something new. Yes. But I mean, it's fun. But yeah, it yeah, is yeah. it's creative. Big pain. It is and a pain. You, you, you know, you do, even when it's related to things, like the part that's really related to what I've already been doing is the mastermind component mm-hmm. because I have been running a mastermind. And, but even that, like you say about my business changing over time, mm-hmm. I mean, five years ago, I didn't have a mastermind. Mm-mm. And I, that has a, its own funny story, not unlike the whole stories I told in the beginning. 
about how it came to be. But what happened was I did realize I was good at that format mm-hmm. and I love it. So both that's your sweet spot. When you're really good at something that people want, that's a sweet spot. So that is a sweet spot for me, masterminds. So I, the only comfortable part of this was me realizing that I could present it as a mastermind and that that would definitely work. But everything else, like the content of it is completely different than what I've done, you know, and it, I have gone, I have thought that I would do it and then put it on hold because it was getting in the way of my time for Embody Art. Mm-hmm. And I've done that, but the whole time I knew it had to come out and my coaches were very encouraging. And so it's being born because it has to be. That it has to be? Is- yeah. I don't think I don't think I would have understood what that meant until I started something out, outside of me, outside of, you know, teaching. Teaching is not a really great training ground for self-confidence because mm. you can't get a raise if you're good. You don't get rewarded if you're good. I, the, um, the biggest reward they can give you if you're good is to get you out of the classroom, which is lousy because right. if that's what you're really oh. good at, then, you know, there's a lot of... Oh. There's yeah. other industries that do that too. It makes me crazy. It's really, really hard. And it's hard Hopefully to figure out. Does that. Yeah. When you become a creative director, you're telling other people what to do. And yeah, that's you're not doing you're... what you're good at anymore or what yeah. you love. Yeah. And managing people. I know it's awful. We, ha- yeah. we are so best backwards. Yes. So the, the, the idea that, that you're bit by an idea that won't let go is something I wouldn't have understood while I was teaching. Partly because I wouldn't have given myself time to get bit by an idea. Um, I, and not given myself time. I didn't have the time. And I didn't know how to, how to make the time. And I know that for you, there was, there was a breaking point where yeah. it was like, no, this, this has to stop. And the way it's going to stop is I'm going to change one thing. And I know that that's part of, part of your, your larger... Um, body focus, but I think it's, I think it's an important one that a lot of people have felt that tugging at them without necessarily being able to articulate it or know what to do with it. Yes. And for you, for you, it was, it was yoga, right? Yes, absolutely. Yoga was a huge and remains a huge catalyst for me. Right. So yoga and specifically Iyengar yoga just to be really clear in in case, and it's such an, I'm such a believer in it that if anybody hears this and is curious to check it out, I will have done a good deed. Um, Because Iyengar yoga is not only beautiful and healthy and fun, it has a medical element where it will fix what's wrong with you. And it it comes from a medical medical roots. Mm -hmm. That's how it was originally created to help people. And it's, it's very anatomically based. It's very scientific. It's some people would probably not appreciate it because it's so meticulous, right? It is such a great way to be both in your head and in your body. Mm -hmm. There are very few things like that. Yeah, that's true. You're using your body, but it's so precise that you, uh, for me, it's incredibly satisfying. So I had for, I don't even know how long the desire to do this. And plus another thing that's a huge challenge for entrepreneurs is because unless you have a great system, Mm -hmm. like what you were talking about before with 
we all have challenges, whatever our life, but how many hours are there supposed to be 24? You can easily work 72 hours in a day. Oh, yeah. I mean, it never stops. Obviously you can't, you burn out, but you think you can, you, you think you have no other choice sometimes, Yeah. you know? So I knew I wanted to do yoga because I wasn't doing anything physical. Right. And I had come from a dance practice that I had abandoned because I needed to work. Right. So I went like two years not doing anything physical, no exercise, no body. I'm lucky. I used to honestly think two years. Why am I not a blob? Um, like, why am why have I not turned into just like a puddle? Yeah. Like, they're going to wonder, they're going to be knocking on the door. Katie, where's Katie? <laughs> she's the puddle on the floor. She was here, but, she's <laughs> but now there's just this pile of goo. Blob. She's just a blob. <laughs> she blobbed. Uh, <laughs> so I honest to God wanted to go to yoga so desperately. And I, I was at the point where I had looked up the schedules and I was fascinated by Iyengar. I guess I had maybe been to one or two classes. So I knew I liked it. And, um, I had the schedule for months and months and months on my calendar and could not take the time mm -hmm. week after week after week after week after week. I could not do it because it isn't just the time of class. It's getting there and coming back oh, yeah. and then you need to wind down or whatever. Yeah. So that was the single biggest thing that when I learned through the system that I created, that basically the system I created metaphorically shoves all the stuff off your desk and goes, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then you start and you look at things and you're able to put things in. So like I have a, a coach friend who says you can do anything. You just can't do everything. Hmm. And I think that's really true. Yeah. That's, we have to learn how that translates into practical reality. You know, what most of us do is we say, oh, I'd love to go to yoga. I'm going to try and go this Thursday. Right. And then right. we may, we may not go. And you might even have it on the calendar as a line item, like yoga. Yeah. Oh, sure. You and can then, even put it on the whole year. Yeah. And then it whooshes right by your, <laughs> right. your day. Like, and oh, wow. I didn't get there today. Another month. Yep. And that gets really depressing. Yes, it does. So depending on, it doesn't have to be yoga. It could be something so completely different. But whatever it is, most of us have something like that. And for me, that was the single one because I knew all of the benefits that would come from it. Right. And I mean, as much as I knew them, I underestimated them. They were incredible. What I didn't expect is that this, what we're talking about, the schedule side of it mm -hmm. is what changed my life more than anything because I committed wholeheartedly when I finally committed. And that is through the help of the systems that I created. Right. So when I committed, I remember telling my teacher because I had been to her class a couple times, but not like ruthlessly like this. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember it's one of the best feelings in my life, as little as it is, that I remember saying to her, I'm committing to this and her and her going, I'm, I said, I'm committing to this. I'm taking this really seriously. And she's like, oh, that's great. That's really great. You know, like somebody would say. Yeah. And I never missed another class from that day on. Did she ever tell you that she never expected it to go that far? No, I have to ask her. I'm gonna oh, you, ask. you totally have to let me know because yeah. I can totally see myself going, that's great. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you, sweetheart. Right, right. Like, that's so nice. We're so glad to have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, what's your major? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because for but, me, it would mean that much, you know, to be able to say, for me, it's Tai Chi. 
Mm. When you talk about that meeting of the physical and the oh yeah, that's anatomical, and and for me, it's 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 all of it. It's it's mind and it's mm. it's all of it. Um, and I there is a class now. You're making me want to try Tai Chi. Oh, you totally have to try Tai Chi. Oh, it's uh, but you have to find someone who can do the young long form, which is not always easy, or find somebody who can do Qigong, which okay. is okay. Spelled I've so many that. different ways, but C-H-I, often it's G-O-N-G. Sometimes it's K-O-N-G. Um, Is it ever Q, with a Q? Q, Q I feel like Q. Q-U-N-G, yeah. yeah. That's the other one that's that's out there now. But yeah, um, yeah. and Qigong was probably the most healing of the versions I've done. But the Yang Long form is the one that saved us when I was in the show. The last show we did at UCLA, we were in... We were doing two of the most lurid, bloody dramas in the history of theater in rep oh. with each other. And it was our entire quarter, 10 weeks. That's all we were doing 24 seven. And, you know, we didn't have wives or husbands to do our laundry or cook our food or anything like that. So the director's like, I don't know why you guys are all having such a hard time. We're like, jerk. We were, by the time we went on stage, by the time curtain went up, a third of us were injured. Oh, wow. It's bad. But, oh, Melissa, she was amazing. She was a dancer and everything else. Yoga, dance, meditation. I mean, she did everything. And she was about four feet tall. She was just tiny, light little thing. And she came in one day. I think we were probably at the beginning of our third week. She walked in and she put on Enya. <gasps> and she turned her back on us and said, do what I do. We had no idea what was going on. We also didn't know that this wasn't, you know, choreography. Cause she didn't give us any, any hint. She didn't want our brains to get in the way of what she was trying to do with us. And we must've gone through the young long form. I don't know, three or four times that day. And it's long. It's wow. And at the end she said, okay, this is what we just did. It's called Tai Chi. And here's why we did it because y'all were going to die if we didn't do something that brought you back Wow. to being able to recognize your center both, I mean, like psychologically yes. as well as physically, because we were, we were getting hurt. Good point. Really, really. So that, and I think the same thing is what happens in work life. Is, you're so right. You know, you, you help people go back and find their center. That is exactly why I'm doing this because it did do it for me and it can do it for others. Even, obviously it can do it for others because right. it did it for me. And it was so big. It was really what you've been talking about, you know, and I'm still hesitant to share how big it was because yeah. it's embarrassing. Honestly, no, I just I feel embarrassed. And I realized what we said was true, that people want to hear the failures. I get it, but it's still hard to share that. Well, it was and it's, it's also that these kinds of things that you're talking about and the, the kinds of experiences that you've had, that I've had, that, that you've seen more than just a few people have when they, mm -hmm. they start to figure out how their, how your systems fit with their work and their life. And, and the, the, the way that you are very encouraging about not do it the way I do it. Yeah. That you start with the, try it the way I do it. If yep. you're going to change something, don't change it just cause. Yeah. You know, there's the, what's going on. What's the reason behind it? Because you've you've pegged several times things things that I had bypassed that I didn't 
I wasn't doing myself any favors by bypassing them. It was just a pressure point. It was a hard thing yeah. to figure out how to do. Um, yeah. But I think the, the, the systems that you've figured out and that you've encouraged the growth of in other people are the kinds of things that I now look back and think, if I could go back and teach all 10 years of high school students, um, oh. these are things I would have changed in my classroom. Because I think that they're, they're life skills for the 21st century. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily things that I would have thought of or needed to think of when I started teaching in 93. And I, and I have a feeling that a lot of adults because everything is going so fast, we start to feel out at sea. And I mean, That's right. we, all of us, people who are listening to the podcast, you, me, all of us, we're, we're really high functioning 21st century people because we have people who listen to podcasts there. You have what? 38% of the population of the United States knows what a podcast is. Mm. That's an incredibly small percentage. Yeah. But that that makes it even worse because it means we're at the front of the line right and still struggling right and everybody else is behind us and mm -hmm. and it makes such a a huge difference to know that it's not just throw up your hands and say oh crap well i guess life's just going to suck well, you know, it's there's so you're making me think of so many different things. But one of the things that you're making me think is that the reason people get into these constricted paths of what their life should be is because of what we're talking about, because they're trying to survive. They're mm -hmm. trying to figure out a way to make enough money to own a home and have a car and bring home food and, you know, yeah. survive and be relatively happy. But since that isn't rewarding for all of us right. on the level that we've been talking about, like it has to be level, the playful level, the, the art That's level right. that I believe we all deserve to have. Yeah. It can be more challenging in the long run. It's actually easier because yeah. you're being true to yourself. But that's why I know that I actually know how to create systems yeah. to help that super original, creative person. And it's, you don't have to be super original. It'll help anybody. But it's really for somebody who wants to chart their own path. And yeah. it can feel like chaos. It can just feel like, yeah. how do I, you know, things are just flying everywhere. There's just like, how do you get a grip? I, and that is that is exactly what it feels like before <laughs> before you start to figure these things out. And I, I am sure that people who have been listening to the podcast for several years can probably go back in time and figure out when I met you. Oh, <gasps> I am reasonably. In fact, I will put out a challenge to everyone and say, wow. if you can figure out where in this in the book lineup things changed in wow. in my world put it in the comments what an honor because i have i have a feeling there are several people who are paying attention who will who will know and that is such an honor and it's going to be really interesting to see what they have to say because uh everybody's real smart but you <laughs> but you aren't doing this just by yourself anymore you've got rianne who is also an expert you have you who are the systems expert 
And you also have done something very special for the Craftlet community that we should tell them about. Yes. So I have created a special little giveaway for craft letters. Craft letters? Not litterers. Craft letters. I have had the hardest time figuring out Mm. what to call everybody. Yeah. I do craft letters on Twitter because it's shorter. Okay. Um, It's just a special free handout called how to create your own bliss day. I started telling people casually. First, I started saying I'm in bliss after yoga class. And then it became it's Friday is my bliss day because what happened was my whole schedule fell into place because of yoga class. Mm Because what happened was then I had a client call that needed to happen that day. So it had to go early. And it was, I'm not a morning person traditionally. So I, but I was willing and happily willing to make it earlier than I would normally. And then I had to get up even earlier because I had to be ready for the call. Mm -hmm. So that here I was, oh my God, I'm acting like a responsible person. How did that happen? How did I get to be a grown up? Okay, don't tell anyone because, you know, I'm like, that's sick. But it's beginning. And then I had enough time to do a little piece of work after that. And then I had to run off to yoga. So right away, right, that right there great formula because I, I didn't feel like a screw up for right. running off to yoga. Cause I'd already gotten done your work. work. Yes. But it's Friday where people are all feeling like, yay, it's the weekend. So then I go to yoga, total bliss. Then it turns out on my way home from yoga, Trader Joe's is right there. So, oh my God, all my shopping, grocery dilemma, no problem. I go to Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is very affordable. For I anybody love Trader know. Joe's. They're great. So, and then even better, Trader Joe's has very affordable flowers and I've Mm -hmm. always wanted weekly fresh flowers. So I'm like, you know what? Let's get them. I can splurge because they're not very expensive. So I started getting fresh fresh flowers and then there's more and there's more. I added, I, I only drink on weekends. I love, I love wine. I just, let's just be real about it. I love wine. I love, I love alcohol. It's good. I'm not an alcoholic, but I love alcohol. It's good. Right. So I made myself um, drink only on weekends for health. Yeah. It's just more balance again. So then I get to have beautiful red wine after and I'm already, you know, I've had good exercise. So the toxins are on their way out. Right. So I get to have great red wine. And then I've got really beautiful food from Trader Joe's and I can wind down from the whole week. And that became it, it's just heaven. That is my bliss day. So I. I, I started telling people, men and women, and they all seemed to respond really nicely to it. They were like, oh, I want a bliss day too. So I was, I was, so I created just now for Craftlet people how to make your own bliss day and just a simple cheat sheet of, you know, what questions to ask yourself so mm-hmm. that because yours might look completely different from mine. Right. You can start with, I have the example of mine there just in case. It's I like that you did that on the, on the page where people can sign up for the download thing that yeah. you, you have your, your answers yes. on the page so they can see them. I love that. Good. That's just to give people viewers yeah. an idea of, you know, just a jump start idea. Yeah. It's a starting you point. Know. Yeah. To look at. So it is embodyfocus.com slash bliss, B-L-I-S-S. And um, you'll get the instructions as soon as you go there. It's all very clear. I thought so too. And the other other thing I wanted to make sure that everybody knew about was that if if this is intriguing, if the whole idea of finding a system that works for them and working Mm -hmm. with somebody who like gets what it means to be 
a creative, a creative genius, but you know, a, a, a creative mind that has to work within a, a routinely non-creative world mm. that, that there's, there are answers and that they can, they can come to you and find out what's going on. Cause you guys are starting this, this new, um, embody focus. That's it's, right. It's a, it's a mastermind. It's a course. It's an everything that you and Rianne are doing. And what website do they go to if they want to read more about that part? That they can just get at embodyfocus.com. Okay. So it's right there. That's the page. That's the page that you have, that you built. That's so gorgeous. That just goes Thank with you. all the chunks. So people can really yes. see laid out what's there. That's right. So just in case anybody can't hear, it's M body, E-M-B-O-D-Y. Right. Focus, like you're focusing F-O-C-U-S. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So that oh, okay, there's great, direct great. links to both of those for everybody. And the special little giveaway is just that slash bliss for you guys. And um, remember that. Yeah. Thank you so much for mentioning it. It's a great, it's a really one incredible opportunity to be able to describe the path that got me there. That's so rewarding. It feels so good to be able to just tell people that this was a real human being with mm-hmm. a re- real struggles, real problems, you know, and some of those you may very well relate to because I've talked to plenty of people who do. Yeah. And it really, really, really can change your life. And your, yeah. and if you're an entrepreneur, it can also seriously change your business and your money. Yeah. No, I think everything you do is related to the money that you bring in. I know. And it's so hard um, if you if you grew up in an academic world, which you and I both did, um, that can be a really weird shift, mindset shift mm-hmm. to, to go through. And I know we have a lot of a lot of educators uh, also are listening. Ah. It's so hard to hear anybody's Genesis story without it sounding like it's perfect. Yeah. You know, you listen to Richard Branson and you go, oh yeah, well that, sure, you screwed up. You know, <laughs> bad chance. Yeah. So it's, I, I think it's important for us to remember that there's both a light at the end of the tunnel, but also that the the things that are difficult and challenging are often the places that we learn the most quickly. On my main website, mm-hmm. I have on my about page something that is what I'm going to share, which is something I may phrase it a little differently, but it's your best at whatever you're worst at. Hmm. So an example, mm-hmm. I'm going to really out myself here. Like I can actually even feel tears. That's how no. real this is. Wow. For me, it's communication. Really? So I'm a communication consultant. They gave me that title and it turned out to be true. And I know from the feedback I get that I am a good communicator. Right. And I know that I I do very well with language and words and I love them passionately. However, it is also a big struggle for me. I have struggled and I continue to, but I've learned a lot Mm -hmm. to communicate effectively, especially with the people closest to me. Mm -hmm. And it has caused me a lot of heartbreak and it's still a great journey because I'm not, I don't, you know, I've learned so much. Yeah. That's really what you need is you just need perseverance and courage. Yeah. The reason that you are 
best at what you're worst at. It isn't some mm-hmm. weird, it feels like a weird trick of the universe. Some koan. Right. But the reason it's true is because whatever that thing is, I don't know, it could be anything that you think you're terrible at, right. but you also have a passion for it. The reason that it's that weird mix is because it's got you. Like to mm. someone else who's, who's you know, okay at it or fine at it, it doesn't have them. It didn't grab them. Right. Like the same, you know, so whatever that thing is that's like got you, you stand the chance of being a genius at that thing. Hmm. The big if is if you're willing, if right. you're willing to confront it, to face it and to, to wrestle with it. Basically look your demons in, in the eyes. Yeah. What a great place to end for a religion major. <laughs> you just get me chills and it's really hot. <laughs> I know. Another, like, you know, seeming completely impossible picture <laughs> <extra> thing. <laughs> yeah, you're amazing. Oh, so are you. So, you know, Mutual Admiration Society. Totally. Yay. A real one, for sure. 